Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. I want to just start with um, a little bit of my journey of how I've ended up here where it began. And about a year ago, the Lord told me to buy a map. So it wasn't anything special. It was just, you know, poster size map of the world. And I bought it through Amazon. And I checked the other day, actually, my Amazon history. And it was nearly a year ago to the day that I bought it, which I think is significant. So the Lord told me to buy a map. And I gave him my yes. So I bought this map. And um, when it arrived in the post, me and Chris, my husband, we got it out on the table. And we looked at it. And the first thing we did was go straight to the UK. I'm like, oh, there's where we live. You know, all excited by that. And then we also love Cyprus. So then we find the next thing we do is we find Cyprus. And we're like, oh, there's Cyprus. And all Cyprus is close to Israel. That's exciting. And we look at all the places we've been and all the places we know. Anyway, once we've done that, we rolled it up. And I put it in the cupboard because I didn't want the kids to find it and draw on it or colour it in. So it went to the back of the cupboard. And it went there for months. And now and then I'd think about the map and I thought, why has God told me to buy a map? And I knew it was a little bit related, obviously, to the word and looking at a global picture of God and his word and what's happening in the nations. But I never felt that unction to get it out and do it or there wasn't the time. And then it stayed away for months and um, I was preparing for my small group um, and I had a really good word. I was really confident in the word I had for it. And I was just doing the finishing touches to it. And as I was just finishing up and about to put my Bible away, um, the Lord said to me, get out the map. And I was like, "Mm -mm." (laughs) and the reason I started to say no, and I went through this and I started to internalize a, a bit of a struggle because I knew the map for me represented what God was speaking to me about the nations and about Israel. And if we can be totally real here, and this is no condemnation for anyone, or it's not a criticism, but I've heard so many times people say, Israel is for maybe Jane and Clive, or maybe it's for Connie and Alistair. But (laughs) I'm getting there. (laughs) Um, No, but I've heard that. And I'm not, this honestly isn't a, a negative thing. It's just, there's a thought sometimes of people that it's only for a special few or... And I've got Jewish roots, so I've had people say to me, not just from this church, it's not like that. Um, I've had people say to me, you know, it's OK that you've got revelation of Jerusalem and Israel and the nation because you've got Jewish roots, so it makes sense. Um, so th- I was going through this battle of, I don't want to talk to my small group about Israel because I don't think they want to hear it, which is a lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was a lie. (laughs) Thankfully, the Holy Spirit was right and I was wrong. (laughs) But anyway, in that moment, so I was internalizing all of this. And then I heard again the Holy Spirit say, get the map out. And I said, yes. So that was my second yes. And I just want to pause for a moment because I just want us to realize that we serve a God that does give us a choice. And he gives us free will. He isn't a tyrant over us. He doesn't force us to do anything. And I just think that when you give a yes to God, it will lead to many more yeses. But he needs that open heart and that yes from us. So, yeah, I got out the map and I began to write down what I'd learned over the years and 
The Holy and Spirit in me, we spent days actually digging deep and looking over the word. And it's sad really because um, we've got, I don't have time on my side this morning. And I feel like I'm just going to show you a little tip of an iceberg of what God wants to reveal. But that's the most amazing thing is that later on you can give your yes to God and he can teach you and show you everything. I know everything, Jen and Clive know everything. There are mysteries that he wants to reveal to all of us. So forgive me that it's only just a small bit and I hope I don't go too fast through what I, I'd like to say. So this morning I know after I learned through my small group that you are all ready to hear the message that the Holy Spirit wants to give you today. But you also have to give your yes too. So just where you're sitting now because I can talk for ages and give a good argument but this subject is a spiritual one and you know no one can make you become born again it's your choice no one can make you receive the word so just take a second just to say to God I give you my yes I want to open my heart whatever your opinions of Israel and Jewish nation have been before just give him some space today to say Lord show me your truth So um, I don't know if any of you have heard this word before. There's a word being used a lot at the moment in circles I sort of listen to and preachers are here. It's called alignment. And um, I'll just explain quickly how I view alignment. Um, We all know about repentance, yeah? So repentance for me, I always think it's turning around. So you're going this direction and then God brings the truth and you turn completely around to what he says. And... um, I look at alignment like train tracks. So you've got your train tracks like this, and they're parallel to each other. And I like to think one of them is God. So you know it says in the word about God being a plumb line. So God is completely straight, perfect, his will, his truth. You know, he he never lies. He's completely solid and always doing the best, doing the right, doing the truth. And then I like to think that we are the other piece of train track. And sometimes, you know, repentance is such a big thing. And alignment, I see, is a more delicate thing and aligning yourself up to God and his truth. So if you're going along with the Lord and your train's on the track, if you're just off a tiny little bit in an area, it might be okay at where you are right now, but as you go further in the journey, you're going to go right off on one and your train will derail and you won't get to your destination. So alignment for me is about tweaking those things in our head, maybe even just really passive stuff that we don't even challenge ourselves on. And that is alignment for me. It's coming into line with God's plans and purposes. Uh, Sometimes that will be to do with family life. It will be to do with maybe relationships, maybe in your church family, in your work life. God will tweak you and change you. And also there's a huge area we need to align with, and that is God's heart. For Israel and the nations. And we do need to align ourselves now more than ever. Um, So remember I said I bought a map and I said yes to God. I also bought this out of rabbit, I think. Amazon was loving me in this week. Oh, I thought that would happen. Sorry, Ian. (laughs) So I also bought this. Here's the globe, it's quite a big one. And um, again, when I bought this, we blew it up and straight away, can you all see it if I've got it? 
there. So straight away I was like, where is it? Here's the UK. So there we are. There's little Horsham down there where we all are. Does anyone else do that? Yeah? yeah? <laughs> Have you ever used Google Maps? Yeah. Do you all go and look at your own house first? Yeah. It's true, isn't it? <laughs> You've got the whole world to look at, and we go right where we know, because that's our comfort zone. Um, so anyway, I know God looks at good Google Maps, and I've got a scripture to prove it. <laughs> so in Ezekiel 5, verse 5, there's a slide for this. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. This is Jerusalem, which I have set in the centre of the nations, with countries all around her. So here is a tiny little Israeli flag. And here is... <laughs> I'm upside down. There. <laughs> there is Israel. And we are just going to go like that. So if you'd never read that scripture before, and if you'd never seen it before, you have just been aligned. So that is alignment. So that is God's center. That's his word. I haven't made that up. That is the word of God. He made Jerusalem the center of the nations. So maybe next time you get your hands on a map, you might actually want to look more at that place. So we're going to go through a few scriptures from the Gospel of Matthew. So if you want to turn there, you can. I'll be reading everything out, um, but you can look through it all with me if you like. So Matthew, I always think the book of Matthew is a perfect tool to evangelise to Jewish people because it's written to prove that the Messiah is the long-awaited Jewish Messiah. <coughs> out of all the Gospels, that one's mostly aimed... At, for that purpose. Um, so in Matthew 1, don't you, honestly, I'm going to read everything so you can flick through if you like, it's up to yourselves. But in Matthew 1, um, it starts with the genealogy of Jesus. So it begins with the Jewish roots of the faith. It talks about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So that's where Matthew begins. And um, if you don't know, Abraham was given a, a covenant by God in Genesis 12 about come to the land I will show you. And that land, he said, was Canaan, which in modern day is Israel. So way back then, God made a covenant with Abraham about the land of Israel. And then obviously we've got in the New Testament in the gospel, Matthew starting off reminding us that that is still relevant. And it's still a promise, because God's promises are eternal. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And then the Gospel of Matthew also ends with the Great Commission, and Jesus sending the disciples out into the whole earth. And then obviously in between, you've got loads of awesome stuff as well, but I like that it's sandwiched in between Israel and then the whole earth. That's how it starts and finishes. So Matthew 9, verse 35 to 37, it reads, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in all their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And I love that one line that Jesus, it says that he had compassion. And I love it because Jesus is our model. He's who we all sort of attain to be like. He's our example. And in faced with a midst, in the midst of a big crowd, he could see faces one-to-one and his response, his reaction was compassion. And that's true for us as well. We should be on a one one level with one another, with people in Horsham, in your workplace, wherever wherever your circle is, you should have that mindset too of compassion on the one-to-one. So even though we're focusing obviously on a huge picture, let's not forget that Jesus was you know, you know it, you, your personal walk with God, you know he knows your heart so well. Yet he is also the God of the nations. So Jesus tells his disciples, he says, there's such a need out there. Can you pray with me? So between chapter 9 and chapter 10, I like to think maybe there was a night and the disciples went away and they all prayed together and say, you know, God, send send people out and they weren't thinking it was them and have you ever had that that you pray for something and then God then starts making you the answer for it and starts prompting you to action so I like to imagine that they had no idea that Jesus was about to send them out so in chapter 10 Jesus calls the disciples to him and he says um you can look there it's Matthew 10 5 he says he gives them authority over evil spirits and to heal every disease And then he also gives them very clear instructions. So Jesus is speaking and he says, do not go among the Gentiles, which is foreigners, other nations, or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. Sometimes we can read the scripture and not really take in what had been said And I think we just sometimes need to let that settle, that Jesus, our saviour, our king, at that time said, don't go among us. Can we all just stand for a minute? Is that okay? So let's just think, anyone here who has got a Jewish mother and a Jewish father, so both, I'm not going to make it easy, (laughs) If both your parents are Jewish, you can stay standing. If not, then just sit down. So just look around. There's nobody at that location and that time. Nobody, if we were there, this gospel, this good news, salvation would not be for you. It wouldn't be for us. We would be excluded from it. Later on in Matthew 11, Jesus begins to denounce cities and towns that he's been in because, I don't know if you remember, he goes around places, but then the Jewish people start to reject him and his message. They don't believe he's the Messiah. And um, it's said as well that because there wasn't enough faith, he couldn't do miracles that he wanted to do. And again, I just wanted to um, point out the focus here. It goes from one to one to a larger scale. So even though we are in a relationship with the Lord, he also sees us as a collective church. He also sees us as Horsham. He sees us as a nation of Sussex and the UK. So 
we're also, we're, he views this world, the one-to-one, but he also views it in different locations and um, people groups. So geographical locations are really important to the Lord and in the Word. So Matthew 21, if you want to turn there, verse 33 to 43. That's Matthew 21, 33 to 43. He says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir, come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. So that's every single one of you. You are the people it's been given to to produce its fruit. And in that scripture, Jesus here, he begins to reveal his plan for the nations, for the Gentiles, for all of us. And it's so sad when you read that, that Israel is um, God's firstborn. You can read in other places that God refers to them as a child, as a son. And it's so sad that when you read that, that they have rejected him, that he came to them and they rejected him. And there's a point in, um, I can't remember where it is, but where Jesus says, how long, he looked out over Jerusalem and he said, how long to gather you up like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. So Jesus was pained over what was going on with his people, with his nation. And you can sometimes look as well, there's pictures of Jesus throughout the whole Bible. So in Joseph, when Joseph and his brothers, you know, his brothers tried to kill him and they thought they had, and then obviously he was made king. And then when the brothers came to him and they didn't recognize him, and do you remember Joseph went off and he had to weep? He went and wept, and it's the same. That's a picture of Jesus, that the, you know, the Jewish people didn't recognize him when he came to help them. And he weeps over them. He's, he's pained over their choices. But like we say, the good news is 
we are now free to produce fruit for the kingdom. Just so you know that in that scripture, that the vineyard is definitely Israel, we'll just turn to Isaiah 5, verse 1 to 7. Because obviously that um, parable is a picture of Israel who is, sorry, I didn't explain that. Israel is the vineyard and the tenants killed the prophets. So the Jewish Pharisees killed the prophets and they killed Jesus and they rejected them. That's what it's a picture of. Let's just turn to Isaiah 5, 1 to 7. It says, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and he cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than what I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel. So, we have got summing up an important location, an important timing. We have got Jesus on a mission to Israel, to the lost sheep of Israel. He's set on that mission. He's not turning to the left or the right. He is bringing the good news to them. They're rejecting him. They've rejected the prophets. They start to reject him. He can't do miracles. You can imagine him internalizing all of this as he's there, knowing that that was probably he knew that was going to happen. But then because of all of that, he reveals his plan for the Gentiles, for us. He reveals that because they don't want it, we can all have it. So in that dark place, he's like, right, I'm going to give it to the, the nations, to the world. And then he says, we can produce its fruit and we can go into all the earth and do the Great Commission. The end. <laughs> so is it not the end? Does God stop at that? Is that fullness? Is that everything Jesus died for? Just say you had two children and your firstborn, as they got a bit older, they were in your care, you, they had everything they needed. They had your protection, your love, your provision. They had their own room in your house. They were well taken care of. And you loved both your children so well. You didn't do anything wrong to them. You did your best job. And as your firstborn got a little bit older, it decided that it didn't like you. And then after a little while, that rebellion grew and its opinion of you got worse to the point that that child turned around and said that they hated you and rejected you. And if that wasn't bad enough, 
that child then went out on the streets because it would rather prostitute itself to strangers than be provided by, by your loving hand. Just say that happened in your life. So then in your home with your second born child, you have a good relationship, you still have everything, nothing's an issue. Can you and that child continue life together happily, not ever wondering what's happened to your firstborn? Would you be content? Would you be happy? Would you never think of them? Or would your heart think of them every minute of every day until they return to you? Sorry, makes me emotional. So what about God? What does God say about his firstborn? In Isaiah 49, 15, it says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget... You can put the slide up. I will not forget you. And so it gets me emotional because that is such a massive aspect of God's character. Because if he could forget his firstborn Israel, he could forget all of us any moment. But he doesn't. He hasn't forgot Israel. You know, he hasn't forgot the Church of England. He hasn't forgot people groups. His desire is for the whole world to turn to him because that's what the cross is about, is it not? That's the most powerfulest thing he's done for everyone. So don't we serve such a good God? Because that is, you know, as Phil was saying earlier, you pray father. He's a father. This is a family. Israel's our family. It's not a political thing. It's our family. And when I talk about Gentiles and other nations, that includes Arabs, Muslims, everyone. It's not that they're um, wiped off for anything they've done because it's not that. We're all included in this. It's the greatest love story that ever was. And I want to be a part of it. So if anything, in regards to Israel, and like we're saying about aligning ourselves... Our hearts, I don't know about you, but when I started grasping all of this, being the second child, or I was like, I want to help whatever, in whatever way I can to help get this child back into the arms of the father. That's what it does in my heart. That's what it generates in me. And I want, that's what, you know, I've been praying that that's what will stir in you, that you understand you have a bigger picture here, that there's a bigger picture we the fruit actually is this, is Israel. It's not just about us and our area, even though it is. It's a much bigger picture than just that. Um, we're just going to look at Zechariah 2, verse 10 to 13. Shout out and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and it will become my people. I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you and will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Now this hasn't happened yet. So like we were saying, there's more to come. There's a a fulfillment, fullness, completeness still has to come here. And God's plan is for all the nations to come 
here to this place. Those of you that um, read Revelation and all those things, you know that the Lord's foot returns to Mount Zion here. It's nowhere else in the world. He returns where it all began. So this location is still important. In fact, for a while it wasn't important because when the Holy Spirit came, it enabled the gospel to go viral. So the gospel was then able to go around the whole world, which was always God's plan from the beginning. So the gospel went viral, and this, for a while, wasn't that important. But now, as things are lining up again differently in alignment, there's not just our hearts that need alignment, there's countries and nations that align into God's purposes. While that's all happening, this little place in the middle of all the nations is becoming significant again for every believer and every person. In Romans 11, just in case you needed any more convincing, (laughs) this is one of the most famous scriptures in regards to the, the Jewish nation. So it says, did God reject his people? By no means. Verse 11, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to all of us the Gentiles, to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, which is us, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? So like we've said already, God began in his center. Then the gospel went viral with the Holy Spirit. It went to the ends of the earth. I don't have time to go into that, but there's so much you can read up on about. Read about when um, you can Google it. Google's so useful. <laughs> um, when the gospel, how the gospel got to the Solomon Islands, which is debatable, but the other side of the earth from Israel. So go, that's your homework to go and look at that. Um, but that's really interesting. And it was the Brits that took it there as well, which is significant. But so what God started in that tiny little spot, he's going to finish. Because his name, Jesus, we know as the Prince of Peace. And peace in Hebrew is shalom, which means much more than just peace. It means completeness, wholeness, fullness, nothing missing, nothing broken. And that is what Jesus died for, his whole inheritance. So he's coming back, and we have a purpose in it. See the time. So some of you probably need to start talking to Jesus and asking him to show you more about this. Because it doesn't actually need anyone else to tell you, but if you get stuck, there's people like Connie and Alistair, there's obviously Jane and Clive, (laughs) Jay, Sylvia, there's loads of people in the church who have understanding on this, and if you take them for a coffee, they will chat your ears off about it. So you can always learn more and more. There's, they can recommend books. There's so much you can grasp. We're being in fellowship, but also just on your own and asking God to give you the heart. Because like I said at the beginning, it's a spiritual thing. It's not just someone arguing it through with you. You need to understand it from a spiritual perspective. And something else, um, this is a silly thing I, I used to feel. When you ever watch a really good movie... And if it's really inspirational, do you ever come home from it and be like, oh, 
That's so awesome. And you, you start to dream or you feel inspired by it. And I do that. <laughs> if I watch a really good film, I'll sometimes come home and I'll be like, oh, I want to do amazing things because it's really, you know, inspired me to do something better with my life. And um, I just felt from that that this is such a huge adventure and such an amazing love story. And we don't have to be one of the extras that ends up dead within the first 10 minutes of the movie. You know, <laughs> we, <laughs> we belong to the hero, to the king. And men, if you don't like this, because obviously I imagine that you want to be the, the woman being swept away, you know, the bride with the man who's a big hero and he saves her from all the, the trouble. But or men, you obviously can relate to being the hero who does on the adventure. And, and that's a, the whole thing. Is we are made, every single one of us is made to be part of that adventure in a lead role, not as an extra that nobody knows about. You all have a part in it. Because it says in the word that the church is the tool that God chooses to change the world. It's not just Jane and Clive or Pastor Colin or other leaders. I mean, I love all of them and I submit and honor them and love their leading, but it's not just them. The word says it's the church and we need to be on board. So when the Lord told me to buy a map, I could say yes or no. I had a choice. And when he told me to buy that map, I didn't have a clue what it was going to be for. Because if I knew it was going to be this, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> this is just obedience. I don't enjoy doing this. Um, that's not to put you off saying yes. <laughs> um, and like I've said, saying yes to God in something little would then lead to another yes and another yes and another yes. And that is fruitfulness and that is multiplication. And we're coming into a time in Kingdom Faith where there's a new season upon us. And, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know, maybe leadership know a bit more than me, probably, hopefully. <laughs> but I don't know what it's going to look like. You know, faith camp ending. And you just think there's such a significant time at the moment for God to have our yes. Because he wants to see us mobilized as a body. And to be a lead boat in this nation for the plans and purposes that he has set before us. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, it says, For all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, and amen means yes, so our yes ascends to God for his glory. How powerful is that? That your response to this, to life, to like that's why freedom is so good. Because freedom's repenting, aligning, it's you giving your yes to God. And it clears out loads of stuff so that you can be part of the adventure. It's so good. And that's why I keep going on about the yes, because of this scripture. Our yes ascends to God for his glory. Is that not why we're here? Now, I'm not going to make anyone respond, even though I could. I could tell you all to stand and come here or do whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to do that because God gives us free will. And I'm not going to ask the band to come up because 
I believe that this morning God's looking for a different sound of worship, which is a yes in our hearts, a yes that we say with our mouths. There's just a little bit more I want to share, but first of all, I just want to give opportunity this morning because a yes looks like something. And I really feel that God is extending an invitation to you for a response. So if you want to say your yes, then just stand where you are. And then you can close your eyes and you just give him your yes. And you can make it verbal, so because that's powerful as well. So speak out your yes to him. Let him have your yes. And it's ascending to him for his glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you. And just before coming here this morning, the Lord put on my heart a scripture for this time. Because for a lot of you, standing up and saying your yes is easy. Or it might not be easy, but you can, I mean, a lot of you have stood up, so you've, you know that you're saying yes, no matter what God does. But I really felt there were some people who, there was something stopping you saying your yes. And I'm just going to read the scripture from Two Kings. And maybe you've already stood up, but you relate to this. And if you do, then hopefully it will enable you to give a bigger yes on your inside. So in 2 Kings, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha said to her, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. So she was about to lose everything and had no one to help her. And her reply to him was, your servant has nothing at all except a small jar of olive oil. But God told me there's some people this morning that they hear a word like this and they see the bigger picture and they feel like they've got nothing at all to give to the king. And that is a lie. Anyway, after that, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Now, she probably thought, what's that got to do with me having nothing? She didn't know what he was asking of her. she, She knew it was like a physical thing. She had to go and do something, but she didn't know what was going to happen. But what did she do? With her nothing, she gave him, the man of God, her yes. And then from that moment, she did what he said. They had the jars and they kept pouring and they pouring and pouring and pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. So she was getting well into it by then. (laughs) She was really enjoying the miracle once she'd gave her yes. But he replied, there's not a jar left. And anyway, she went and told the man of God, And then she could sell the oil and pay all her debts and her and her sons can live on what's left. 
So say your yes today from that place of nothingness. And you watch as God brings a miracle to you that won't just affect you, it's going to affect your generations beneath you, your children, your grandchildren are going to live because of your yes this morning. Don't let nothing stop you from saying yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. There's just one more thing I'm going to share before closing. I wasn't sure if I was going to share it, but I think it's right to. Um, we've just been on our holiday to Cyprus, and um, I saw something really unusual there. We were on a beach, and it was just me, Chris, and the children. There was nobody else around. And suddenly this truck pulled up, and it pulled up so close to the water and so it wasn't a road, it was on the sand, very close to the water, about this, this much between the truck and the, the sea. And I watched a man sit in his car and stare at the sea for ages. And I was like, what is, you know, when you just think, what is going on here? I had my attention. And after a little while, the door flung open and this man fell out of his car. And he basically had lost the use of his legs. So he still had legs, but he couldn't use them. And he sat there for a moment, and then he started going into the sea. And at first, I was a bit like, what is he doing? <laughs> Please don't do anything you shouldn't do, you know, while we're here with our children, because it, obviously it looked dangerous. But as he went into the sea, his arms were strong enough to get him into the water. And as he went into the water, you could tell the joy on his face of being in, in there. And he went in, and, you know, on the coast, you could see people on jet skis, you could see people doing water sports and swimming. And here was this man who couldn't use his legs, getting in the sea, having the best time. And it really touched me. And after a little while, all the lights have gone out. <laughs> after a little while, he climbed back into his car, shut the door, and then he drove off on his way. And I just felt that, there's some people here today that you feel that your yes might consume you. That maybe you have some sort of disability physically, an illness or emotionally. There might be something that you just look at that and you think, I can't do what she's talking about. I might say yes, but there's nothing God can do because I don't work. The situation isn't working. And God says to you today, say your yes Get in the water, because that same water you think looks frightening is the same water that's going to support your weakness. Amen. It's going to refresh you. Amen. It's going to cool you down, and it's going to support you into everything God wants you to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.